Hello and welcome back to Weebspawn Season 3, where we talk about anything and everything related to anime and gaming. If you don't know by now, we are not experts, just huge fans. And I'm your host, Bobby, and with me is Joshua. Hello, Bobby. Glad to be doing another season and another episode. And on today's episode, to kind of start us off pretty good with the start of our new season we are going to be talking about the conclusion of fruits basket the final season <sighs> we're finally at the conclusion of the fruits basket journey and i believe this was a journey that was worth every laugh every feeling of resentment and every tear because i did cry in the end i'm not gonna lie um, so throughout the show, there were some things that I could predict, but there are others that left me really shocked. And I found the show to just be very poetic overall. And I feel like each season was perfect in expressing the main theme of that season and had a great transition into the next season's theme. Each intro and outro seemed to have captured the move perfectly. And each character, I feel like, had enough time to really let them develop and, and these are just sort of my opinions. What are your opinions overall on the show and it as a whole and uh, the season in general? So I definitely think I like the fact that because it had so many characters that they did give a lot of time to like each person. Obviously, there are a few that hardly got any or some that didn't obviously get as much, but they weren't as prevalent to, I guess you could say, the main story. But when they needed... It wasn't it didn't feel like they were just put there like they took their time to at least develop these characters so if something happened and they were part of it it didn't seem jarring to all of a sudden see them but the one thing i will say that it's probably going to get some criticism about this <laughs> season is i'm not saying it was very fast-paced but it almost seemed faster paced than the other previous seasons. And I think that's because like the first season built up all these characters. So it kind of felt a little slow because you kept getting introduced to these characters. The second season was more the turning point, finding out what like everyone wanted to do and their goals. And then you had one last season where it was like, now you have to wrap up everyone. I feel like they, Maybe it could have been extended to the 25 episodes like it was in the previous seasons, but maybe it would have been a little slow given how it was. So I'm not saying it was overly fast-paced, but compared to the other ones, because it was literally half the length, I feel like the last one was a little bit fast-paced. I kind of wish a few things got a little more fleshed out, but I'm still satisfied by how everything ended. Yeah, I would agree. It it definitely did go pretty quick, especially right at the end when things started to drop and it just was like a rolling ball effect, a snowball down a hill. So I would agree, although I do personally think if it was drawn out to the full length of the first two seasons that we would be having the opposite discussion. Like, man, if only they shortened it because it just seemed really long and dragged out. Um, but yeah, I do see where you're coming from. There was a point where I'm like, wow, this is happening really fast. But I think that was a way to kind of finish up this season because I do think that this season worked out better that it was so fast because like all these emotions are being thrown at you. You're getting all these conclusions, all these 
feelings. So I think it was um, it was fast, but I do like it overall. Yeah, I guess my my we'll come talk about it a little later. I don't want to show it up. I guess it's just like for some of the characters, I felt like the conclusion was just rushed. Where mm -hmm. I can't let because it just felt like in other episodes when it was based on a character, it was almost like a whole episode was dedicated to them, mm -hmm. which maybe when it, they were first introducing it made sense so you could get into this so that's why i said it's like i'm like a toss-up i really did like it but like you said like as soon as like the conclusion started going it was like a snowball effect and i'm just like wow they actually they wrapped it up fast mm -hmm. but they did it nicely yeah. so it's like it's a hard like i could see it flipping either way i guess mm -hmm. maybe not necessarily 25 episodes but i know they wouldn't do like a 20 episode season or whatever because they it felt like they had to choose do we just make it 13 and risk doing like one or two episodes a little fast or do we drag out like right. five or six episodes yeah because it was definitely I feel like a fine the, balance yeah i feel like the very ending when you say the snowball starts happening the the whole breakdown i feel mm -hmm. like if they dragged that on too long it would have been bad but at the same time it was just like you as soon as that incident happened it was yeah. like pedaled to the metal um one thing i will say in their favor was so i as you mentioned the first couple seasons were the character developments you have to break them down individually but after we learn about them we start to learn the couples and the pairings so maybe season three didn't go as long because we're looking at couples now, not as individual people. So they're able to be condensed a little bit like Hiro and I forget what uh, the girl he's with her name is, but we can look at them as couples. We look at Haru and Isuzu as a couple. So we get to see them both almost at the same time developing. So it can cut down the, the episodes a little bit. So maybe that's why I was able to go quicker and there were some characters like Isuzu and Haru who had almost, it seemed like two full episodes almost for their development. But then you had Hiro who had maybe 10 minutes of his little conclusion development. So there's definitely some balance of overall more impactful characters, but we could go back and forth on whether it was too long or too short. So let's not draw too much time on that. But yeah, it's, it's what it is. So let's, I guess get into talking about the season and discussing what we thought what we thought of it and what we did and didn't see coming because this season had a crazy redemption arc that I didn't see coming and I don't even know if I wanted it to like I did but I didn't want it but I can say I definitely didn't see that coming so we'll talk about that one a little more towards the end funny enough episode one starts with the same scene that episode one of season one started with which I thought was interesting because I brought this up in our um, Fruits Basket Season 2 episode when I was talking about the poster for Season 3. So when I saw this scene, I knew I was onto something. I didn't quite know how the pieces were going to be connected. But I was as I was watching, I'm like, I knew that this was going to somehow be drawn back in. But it's just funny that in our Season 2 episode, I talked about Season 1, Episode 1, and then it comes full circle. So let's jump right in and pick up where we left off. Starting off kind of like right where we left off, we had Toru and Kuruno talking in the park about the curse and Akito. We, we kind of get a little recap that Kuruno is free of the curse and that Akito's mother, Ren, 
decided Akito was to be raised as a man from birth, but she is in fact a woman, almost like Mulan. We are also told that Akito and Ren hate each other and that Ren is actively working to try to break the bonds of the Zodiac because she sees them as unnatural bonds. I also think it's a little bit about jealousy too with the how the whole Akito's father died and all that stuff. Yeah, definitely a lot of jealousy in there. And that's probably because Ren wanted all the attention and now that she doesn't have it. It's kind of that whole thing. And you said kind of like Mulan, but it's actually the polar opposite because Mulan chose to pretend to be a man for the war, whereas Akito didn't choose this fate. But so it's, it's like a reverse Mulan. So right now, they really right away, they start off the season by giving us a side of Akito that we've never really seen before. They reveal Akito's femininity along with her relationship with her mother, which is all but healthy. They're giving us reasons to sort of feel this sympathy towards Akito, but at this point in the show, it is still extremely difficult to think of Akito other than anything but like an evil character. Despite mother hating her from birth and abusing her since she was born, it's a really sad and tragic story, but it's like you almost want to just ignore it because you hate Akito so much. Uh, the abuse she re received, as well as the feelings of the spirit, the god spirit within her, also caused her to have this like broken mentality, which is purely focused on control and keeping the zodiac members to herself. All this is still like an overbearing thought in my mind. Like I can't help but hate her, but she is this very broken person. I just can't justify her current actions based on her past um, and her zodiac possession. So the spirit has a, I believe, has a very huge impact towards her emotions, but I can't get over the fact that she is just overall a terrible human being, and her past doesn't make up for what she's doing now. Yeah, I, I'm in the same boat. It It's like, we got to know why Akito is the way it is, and I guess you could say it's not just because she's just a cold-hearted bitch. She went from cold-hearted bitch to just a straight-up bitch. So I guess that's an improvement. <laughs> but at the same time, I I forgot to mention this at the very beginning, but obviously spoilers ahead. And one thing I just found like with this and the ending that's very, I feel it's hypo uh, hypocritical, is the fact that Akito is the head of the family everyone like bends to her will so if ren was so abusive and whatnot why didn't akito use her powers as the head of the family to like lock her away like she does with every other zodiac that like pisses her off like why was she so afraid of her mother that even towards the end she has an outburst and is like screw you mom and like what like the whole that whole incident it was like a big f you to her mm -hmm. it's like okay so she doesn't it's not like she doesn't have the courage so it was more she chose not to do it but then she claims she's going to be a proper head and it's like okay so like that's the part that for me if she actually did something to her mother then i would feel a little more sympathetic to her but the fact that she just left her mother there 
and it's like now the thing is trying to use that as an excuse i'm just like for me it seems very hypocritical because it was like you literally abuse your power against the zodiacs Maybe. But you are afraid to do it against your mother. Maybe it has... Because I don't know how Japanese family structure works. So maybe it has something to do with that. Maybe since Akito's mother is her mother, maybe the head doesn't have that type of authority. Because obviously the head is the head of the family. But maybe since that is her mother, you don't have that type of authority over your your parent figure. So maybe she couldn't do anything, although this is purely speculation. I have no idea how the structure works over there. So it, it could be possible that she had no power over her mother. Or maybe it was just one of those things where she was ignored. Because Akito's servants also served her mother. So there's obviously some sort of authority figure there. So I don't know if it was just something that she couldn't have power over. But we also see times that the servants like disobeyed or whatever when they either thought it would help akito or the whole rin incident with that servant so it's not the fact that it's all set in stone it's the fact that she still didn't try i mean we don't know if she didn't try because we just got introduced to her mother so maybe there's a lot of past stuff and we only ever really see ren ren in her home so maybe she's kind of confined to her own little quarters. I don't know. I'm just, I think that if she could have done something, she probably would have. But maybe the servants keep them separated for this specific reason. I don't know. I still think she didn't do anything. Because even with the little time we got introduced to Ren, it showed that this wasn't the first time she's tried to take over Akito. But we never get that hint that Akito has ever done anything to Ren. More just ignored her. I so mean, wasn't there a scene me, where Akito literally tried to beat the shit out of her mom? Or was it might have been vice versa? And then the that was literally them? That was literally at the very beginning. And then the very end when I said it's like the big F you to mm-hmm. her. But that's it. So during that whole span where Akito is abusing the Zodiacs, abusing her power... She did nothing to her mother until finally the Zodiacs did something. And then she's like, oh, instead, I can't take it out on the Zodiacs. Now I'm going to do it on my mother. It just seems very uh, hypocritical because of the fact that she never, at least to me, it never seems or shows that it's inferred that Akito never did anything to try to stop her mother. Where Ren, it shows like the servants are, it hinted at the servants are used to Ren giving some kind of order to Akito. Besides that one head maid that's been an annoying bitch the entire season <laughs> that was like, Akito, how dare you do this to Akito? Blah, blah, blah. Besides her, but I feel like she just had like a pride thing and just because she was elderly, she, like she was trying to get her yeah. own power. But I suppose. for me, it just doesn't seem like she tried doing anything. I suppose. I still think the power structure thing, because obviously the the Zodiacs are lesser than the, the family head. And I think since Ren was the wife of the previous family head, that she has some sort of seniority and is kind of like an untouchable. But that's just what I think. Um, we obviously have differing opinions on this. But yeah, but, I, I don't I don't think uh, Akito could have done anything. It just seemed weird because, like, she showed up and then literally we she just used to kind of show her father... Akira, like, and how 
he was like the reincarnation of the god or whatever and then uh he kept saying like oh you're to akito oh you're special you're the chosen one blah 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 and then we see why like her jealousy comes and how akito grew up thinking he's so special because it, it was like he only had a father figure because her mother even after she was born could care less about akito mm-hmm. and like constantly neglected her so i just felt like they were trying to be sympathetic but to me it uh, it didn't really help at all fair enough because we barely see her in anything but all we know is not only the zodiacs but ren is trying to break the bonds and so this is the whole season is about the whole bonds and everything and with that we start to dig even more into them and we learn even more about the relationship between shigure and akito which is probably one of the most confusing ones of the show because shigure has always been like elusive just never telling anyone what his end goal is so you know he's scheming and even Hattori knows it and is like, did this go according to your plan? Like, but he's still friends with them, but like he knows something's going on, but even he doesn't know. And it's apparently we find out that from the form of a young Shigeru, Shigure, I don't know why I said Shigeru, <laughs> admits to Akito that he has unwavering love for her. In the present day, he claims it's still true. And due to this love, he hates Karenau and the attention he receives from Akito. But it's quite obvious that Akito loves Shigure despite the attachment to Karenau. But her obsession with all the Zodiac members, she spreads her attention out to all of them. So I think that's why Shigure is so manipulative and abusive. So he can have the attention drawn back to him. So everything is kind of like, oh, he wants to like clash with Akito because then Akito will always be on Shigure always thinking about him because he's messing up the plans and everything so it's like it's like the whole kindergarten mentality be mean to the one you'd like Mm -hmm. yeah since this show isn't clear cut sometimes on certain characters intentions I I do agree that that's basically Shigure's intention was to constantly have his Akito's attention so my theory is that Shigure has this amazing ability to read people. I, I don't think that's really that much of a theory. But with that, he knew Kurino's curse was broken. He could read that on Kurino's body language, the way he was always drawn into with by Akito. So he's aware of Akito's feelings and constantly works in a way to displease her. And from the moment that Shigure met Toru... I think he was able to read her. She was kind-hearted, and she would be one that would want to break the family's curse the moment she found out about it. So from the very beginning, he planned on manipulating Akito to allow Toru to stay in his home, to get close to all the Zodiacs, because he just he wanted all the bonds to be broken so that Akito was all to himself. Because this, I think this was pretty well implied. It was just never really stated all that much. So... As long as these bonds remained, Akito would never be Shigure's. So he managed to manipulate, and when he saw Toru fall into his life, he saw this as the perfect opportunity to break these bonds, because he didn't know how to do it until this point. Yeah, because from episode like two or three, when 
even Yuki had suspicions like that's weird that Akito let Toru stay and mm -hmm. he knew from the very beginning that Shigeru was planning something and then from then on you can kind of just tell he was purposely edging Akito on for mm -hmm. we finally figured out the whole reason now yeah he he's just such a master at deception and manipulation it's kind of scary <laughs> so from watching this season, I feel like this was a season that was all about closure, the start of new beginnings, and even some redemption for many characters. So we get to see many moments of this with the Somas, but we also get to see it with other characters like Machi and Makoto. And for those of you who don't recognize the name Makoto, she is the blue-haired popular girl that was like always obsessed with Yuki. So we get to see a little bit of closure and start of a new beginning with her which this makoto scene i find it kind of weird and pointless but we have the scene where makoto finds yuki and she confesses to him that she loved the moments that she spent obsessing over him and chasing him around and basically after graduation she's going to move on and she's going to be happy to have those memories even though like yuki had really no interest with her she just is going to cherish those memories this scene seemed very pointless to me and almost seemed like wasted half of an episode just because no one cares about makoto we barely even like had any interactions with her she wasn't much of an important side character in my eyes yeah she had those, those moments where she picked on toru and we had uo-chan and hana-chan come in and save the day but overall she really just had like the comedic moments and she was just there. So these final scenes with her seem to add really nothing of importance to her or Yuki's character. Like it kind of sparked Yuki into like thinking like starting new beginnings, this and that. But overall, I don't think this added anything to the story. It could have been left out and I would have been fine with that, but that's just my opinion. But the scenes with Machi and Yuki, I think were well-developed and you get to spend time with them and they seem very sincere and this was a relevant scene. So Machi seemed like she was just going to be this quiet side character that wouldn't leave much of an impression on me. But I really got into her backstory and her character development and I even love the moments where Yuki sort of accepts her flaws and shows that he cares by finding ways to help her cope with her past traumas because he can relate to her in a way and he knows where she's coming from. So you see those little scenes where he's like breaking the chalk or making things not perfect because she has this trauma where she kind of just has these mental breakdowns when things are too perfect. So they really incorporated Machi's character well in these scenes and I like them. I wish there was just less of Makoto. <laughs> <laughs> I think the only, for me anyways, coming from like a storytelling standpoint, I feel like Makoto was really only there for the benefit of Yuki towards the end where she confesses everything and to where she's just like, I just want to see you happy or whatever. It gives him a boost of self-confidence, but I also think it helps when he goes to Toru and finally explains what his feelings for her are like. Mm -hmm. The fact that he loves her, but as a mother figure and not as like a romantic interest kind of like how makoto 
it's basically saying i almost like i love the idea of you like that's why i was chasing you all this like i love the idea of prince yuki but now she's like she kind of realized it's graduation i need to move on from this but she couldn't move on without telling her feelings and now yuki wouldn't been able to move on until he told toru his real feelings so i think makoto literally was just used as like a stepping stone Mm -hmm. for yuki to tell toru to get that interaction machi is completely different Mm -hmm. i think machi was set up because they like you said they had the very similar like flaws and everything and now all this time yuki has finally been able to figure out how to recover and now he sees in machi him but instead of running away now he's like he's able to help out and that's what like i'm I'm happy for this couple Mm -hmm. this pairing and everything because i think they do suit each other a lot better than if it was yuki and toru but i i do like the fact that they kind of added her in and like you said the whole development of her character was nice to see her backstory the whole perfect and then like just the little things yuki does like you said like breaks the chalk and she like she just blushes at that because Mm -hmm. she knows that's a thing meant solely for her and all this stuff so it's showing yuki getting out of his shell instead of being the one that's always having to rely on someone now he can be relied on so I think with both of these, it was almost more for Yuki's development overall instead of just them. Now that you say that about the Makoto scene, that makes a lot of sense, and it kind of does paint it in a different light. It, yeah, she that was a good stepping stone for his growth and his... Because I didn't pair it up with the talking to Toru about the mother figure thing. It kind of did give him that courage to have that closure with her, tell him how he feels about toru so that was a good point um so i guess it does have that stepping stone towards that direction and yeah everything you said about machi like it's just i don't know i just loved their matchup they were just so perfect together and that talk scene just i was so happy at that that was such a cute scene it really i yeah that was probably one of my favorite interactions with them such it a was simple so, scene. it's just yeah exactly just a simple action but it shows like how like deeply he cares for her and everything because mm-hmm. he did it literally without batting an mm-hmm. eye like he kept talking and everything he just reached over broke it and then like continue yeah. on nobody questioned it or anything yeah Everyone no one even noticed yeah, and just... i think that's what made that scene just mm-hmm. even better agreed but with the now we get in, into uh, we went from all that happiness <laughs> to a little gloomy, which isn't that rare for fruits baskets. Yeah. So after we get these nice moments of Makoto and Machi, then we go back to the bitch herself, who still hasn't shown any redeeming qualities even after we are introduced to Ren, but we get a scene of Akito entering the cat's prison. Now, before this, we are also are implied that Isuzu. 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 I forgot that I mixed the E sound. Isuzu is supposedly in a hospital, yet no one knows which one. Almost like she's like gone. Vanished, yeah. And then we see Akito entering the cat's prison with a pair of scissors. And then he walks out holding long 
black strains of hair. So then we see that Akido has actually imprisoned Izuzu and has demoralized and or yeah, demoralized and broken the image that she has of herself by torturing, starving, and even cutting her hair. So at this point, it no redeeming qualities. She's still a cold-hearted bitch, even straight up. Like even after we learn her past, Akito's past, and everything. She just went from like zero to one hundred back to being a cold-hearted bitch, and eventually we get to like Haru, who has no idea where she is or anything like that. But then I forget who. Oh, the what's the little boy's name? Uh, Hiro. Hiro. He tells. Haru that he found her in the cat's prison or well, mentioned um, something like that. Well, um, Hiro actually that that moment was he was telling Haru about how he watched Akito push Rin or Isuzu out of a window and like almost killed her. And oh, that's what it yeah, was. And fucking Haru's like this bitch like is about to get her shit wrecked. He was about to beat the shit out of her. Uh, Kurono actually manages to discover Isuzu because he sees a maid entering the cat's quarters and he's like, no one's supposed to be in the cat's quarters. Like, it's been vacant for years. So what's going on? Yeah, because Haru was going to Akito to talk about her almost killing Isuzu when she pushed her out the window and then it just so happened that Kurono discovers her from that servant that was trying to bring her food and he releases her to go to an actual hospital now this time to recover and everything. So Haru comes in and is like threatening Akito about the whole the window scene. That's when he's like, you know where she is, don't you? Because no one knows where she was at the time. And before like a scuffle could really get out, Kurno comes in and is like, hey, she was locked up. You need to go. She's in the hospital. You need to go for her because one of the first things she said when Colonel found her was Haru's name. And so this is like the turning point for Haru where he's on the verge of like straight up killing Akito. And he finally tells her off like, hey, don't mess with me or her ever again. And that's when we get this little picture of the like the rope or the bond and it starts to like break away when Haru turns his back on Akito and just walks out while Akito is like mm -hmm. begging uh, to not leave her behind and all this stuff. Yeah, dude, Haru was about to drop a bitch. <laughs> like he was about to fuck her up. Oh, that would have been so great oh to see. Oh my gosh. He went he went dark and he wasn't going back. So this scene was like really exciting because I thought Akito was about to get beat down. But I was still really excited when I saw that rope start to fray. I was getting like giddy like a child. I'm like, oh my god, someone's about to break. And I couldn't wait to watch the first person, well, technically the second person break free of Akito. And I would have put money on it that the first person was going to be Haru because of all this going down. Like, oh, I thought it was going to be him. But shortly after this, we learned that the first person is none other than Momoji, which sort of makes sense if you start to think about it. Because I'm convinced that when the bond was breaking, 
Well, so first off, when we see the bonds break, we understand, or we're starting to understand that you have to kind of separate yourself from Akito. And Momoji is actually the perfect one to do this because that rope, I believe they wanted us to think it was Haru's rope starting to fray. But in reality, it was showing Momoji's rope rather than Haru's because I think at the time of them fighting and arguing, Akito and Haru's bond was actually strengthened. It was closer than ever because even though they're like trying to fight and separate, they're connected through this mutual anger and hatred at that point in time. Haru was so angry with Akito that he wanted, I'm pretty sure he wanted to kill her. So it would have been impossible for him to just let that go and sever ties with her. He, you don't just walk away from something like that and just get over it. So I think their bond was strengthened and it allowed room for one of the more innocent and low-flying spirits to kind of slip through, which happened to be Momoji, because he kept such a low profile the entire time, he's kind of been on the back burner. So Akito was so obsessed with keeping Haru at that time, she didn't realize that she was letting some of the other ones start to slip away, and she had far too much tunnel vision. So, because of Haru's anger with her, Akito managed to slowly release the others and not even realize she was doing it until it was too late. So, we see a scene where Akito is dreaming one night, and she has these memories of her father telling her that she was born God, and she was destined to be loved and have these bonds with these zodiacs. She was a special child. But within the same dream, she remembers Haru walking away from her, and she was begging him to stay with her and not leave like get back come here and as soon as she's remembering this this anger and this hatred but also like this begging moment of don't walk away from me she wakes up to momoji's bond severing and akito in a panic confronts momoji and she was begging him like please don't leave me why does everyone have to go and it was so satisfying to watch akito beg because normally it's the other way around. People are begging Akito for forgiveness or to just let things go. And Akito stands over him towering. But in this scene, Momoji's standing in his house at his sliding door. And she's on the ground a step below him. She's looking up to Momoji, begging for him to stay. And it was just so satisfying because it was very symbolic of Momoji being the bigger one. He even mentions, like, she's so small. She's so little. He's realizing, like, I don't know why I was so attached to this person, but at this point in time, my eyes are open, and this person is nothing, has nothing over me, has no power. So this was just such an enjoyable way to see Akito's world starting to crumble around her. And in a few episodes later, we learn more about her mother and her father, and eventually we get to a point where Akito's world is just slowly crumbling that, well, it's, her world's crumbling, and then her mother is starting to go senile that she plans on just killing Akito because she can't stand these unnatural bonds and Akito having all of this attention. But there's this confrontation, and Akito's mother gives up on killing Akito, and Akito actually grabs a knife and goes to kill her own mother. So it's like a turn of events, time to just end her, because as you were mentioning, this is the one time where Akito actually decides to do something against her mother. But right as she lifts the blade to execute her mom, another bond is severed at that exact moment, and it's Hiro's bond. And 
this is the push that Akito needed to become just a full-on villain. Because as Kurno tries to comfort her, like, hey, you just tried to kill your mom. Let's change. Let's do something different. We can, we can do this together. We can start a new life and just be decent people. And she's like, you literally are telling me this too late. I was about to kill someone, so I'm going to stab you in the back. And she stabs him in the back and runs off to find Toru. Like, she just is like, you know what? It's a little too late. I'm going to be the villain now. Like, I'm going to just go full on doing what I need to do. And it was a pretty intense moment. Yeah, because when Hero's strand broke, or the bond broke, that's when Akito starts to realize, like, one by one, everyone is leaving her. Mm-hmm. And that's, like you said, she went on full-on villain mode because she's having this, like, complete mental breakdown. And Kurno was like, it's okay, you can take this moment now to change for the better. But Akito already knows everything she's done in the past. And it's like... There's no turning point for me. Mm-hmm. Like, I either go straight ahead or nothing's going to happen at all. And then, like you said, she literally stabs Kurno in the back and then is going Which, off to uh, find Toru. It's like stabbing him in the back. Like, what a low moment for Akito. Because you have literally kept this dude by your side. He has been nothing but loyal. And actually, I really dislike Kurno's character because of how weak he is. He pities Akito so much, he threw away his entire life just so Akito wouldn't feel bad. So one, I think he's a very um, shallow character because he pities her so much that he just does this. Like, I guess it's nice in a way, uh, but I just can't respect him for it. And then Akito is too blind to see this unfettering devotion to her that she literally stabs the only person that was with her 24-7 in the back. Like, oh, no redeemable qualities here. I think, I don't know, because I think one of the reasons why she could easily stab Colonel is because she knew he d- was with her out of pity. Yeah, that's there's, true. I don't think there's any way she didn't know that. And he, she took full advantage of that. And yeah, she knew that because you got to also remember, right before this incident, Colonel freed Isuzu... So she thought that was also betraying her. So not only were the bonds breaking, but the one she k- sort of kept after it was broken, Kurno, also started to go away. So that's yeah. why leading up to all that, I think the stabbing was not justified, <laughs> but like I could see yeah. why she did it because she's like, oh, you betrayed me. And now you think you can just tell me to change after everything I've done. Like, get real. Yeah, that's very good point. I agree. So then after this whole conflict happens, we get to see another sort of conflict happen. And that's between Kyo and Toru. So we finally get to, we finally realize what Kyo has been hiding all this time. We also learned like a little before this that Toru is in love with Kyo. Like she actually admits it. She the reason why she was so hesitant was she didn't want to lose her mother or like the memory of her mother. That's why she always put her mother mm-hmm. first before anyone. Yeah, which but I mean, it's sort of a weird. Sorry, uh, it's sort of a weird thought. Like she can only love one person with all of her heart. That, that's kind of weird. She has to let her mom go in order to love Kyo. But like you can love two people at once. But I guess, I guess she was worried about putting someone above her mom, maybe. It just seems like a weird 
a weird choice you have to make. I think it was mostly because of the fact that her family couldn't care less about her mother. Like True. they, because she did like bring was brought up. Well, her mother was brought off as a like the gangster type, and but she obviously changed once she got married, had Toru, and she was this incredibly overly doting mother that we all know and love, and the. I think that's why she was like, it's her responsibility because only her grandpa, uh, Kyoko's actual mother, was the only person that it seemed like still actually cared for her besides Toru. And what a wholesome so, guy he was. Oh, absolutely, throughout <laughs> the whole thing. So I think that it was just for her, the fact that she knew nobody else in the family would miss her if she were to be forgotten. So it was up to her. And then that's also... One of the reasons why we learned the way Toru speaks the way she did was to copy her father to make her mother happy as well. And so it's like this young girl who watched both her parents die at a very young age is trying to keep almost her family together throughout this entire thing. So that's why she feels like if someone else takes her place, she's going to get forgotten. Nobody's going to remember her and... It's like losing her mother all over again. But she finally, after she has her like inner conflict, but she decides it's time for her to actually move forward. That's when she finally starts to tell Kyo about what her feelings are. But then we finally realize Kyo remembers that one thing, that, that traumatic past that was kind of like blocked in her head his head when she see when he sees that blue cap and we find out that he actually met her mom when he was little and he confided into her and everything and that's when she started Kyoko started talking about her treasure which was Toru and all this stuff so he knew Toru even before they actually like met and all this stuff and even once saw her like all alone in the house and everything but then we found out the reason why he blames himself for the death of her mother was he, by coincidence, saw her at a crossing walk while they were both there. But then this car came and swerved and was going to hit her. But because he's a Zodiac, he can't like hold on to a member of the opposite sex. Otherwise, they would know he's not human. And so he didn't grab onto Kyoko to pull her out of the way of the car so he would keep his secret safe. And then obviously we know what happens. She ends up getting in an accident and she dies. So he always blamed himself for that because he even heard her say, I'll never forgive you. So he is like complete dead set on, I killed your mother. You can't, like, we. this can never happen. To the point where he even tells Toru after she confesses to him that I'm disappointed in you. And almost like shatters Toru right then and there. And he runs off. And we see Yuki ends up seeing this confrontation. And although he didn't see what like transpired, like he wasn't able to hear the conversation. He just sees Kyo run away and Toru crying. So he goes off to try to grab Kyo but then as those guys left 
who do we see ends up? We see Akito coming with his with her knife still in her hand to come and attack Toru. But we end up seeing that as Akito is going to try to kill Toru, she explains like, oh, you destroyed my world. Now I'm going to destroy yours. Toru almost accepts the fact because she's like, I never realized I was stealing away your bonds because of all this is happening. She just lost Kyo, all this stuff that's going on. Toru starts to sympathize with Akito. Like, I know what it's like losing everything. She lost her father, her mother, everyone that cared about her. And then she started with the Zodiacs and she kind of got that support back all these bonds she was building but at the same time she what happened to toru she was doing to akito so it was almost toru was like let it happen almost and was like i will accept it because you're right akito was jealous of toru because she thought she was all pure and innocent but toru was like if i'm if you think I, that's what I am, then so are you, because we're both just fighting to keep our own bonds together. And that's kind of where they try to humanize Akito and everything. And all this point, just like this whole confrontation, and this was supposed to, I guess, start to be the redeeming arc, the transformation for Akito during this whole confrontation. Yeah, man, this confrontation. It was really something because it was really heartbreaking to hear Kyo say, I'm disappointed in you and then run off. I was really upset with that, but I get it, I guess. Very upsetting. But the dialogue between Toru and Akito, I really liked. Um, Despite Akito being deplorable in every way you can actually think of, I really liked to see the way they started to point the argument of Toru being the villain because Toru barely even knew Akito before turning Akito into a villain like she villainized her in her head made and made a goal of taking the Zodiac away from her Toru wanted all the Zodiac to herself and on top of that like Akito was evil for or so she saw Akito as evil for wanting the Zodiac, even though Toru was doing the exact same thing. And then we could argue that Toru at least treated the Zodiac with respect and love and all that, and treated them fairly, and Akito obviously did not. But it still doesn't change the fact that Toru had the plans and intention of completely destroying somebody's world that she hasn't even met or given the chance to make their case. Because at this point, she's only had a few interactions with Akito, but they never actually had a discussion about who they are, what they wanted, so while I think Toru was slightly in the wrong here because of the way she painted Akito as a villain without understanding Akito, I still think it was the best decision, and Toru wasn't completely in the wrong because she did get the perspective from the Zodiac that Akito is a terrible human. So, I I just like the fact that Toru had this hint of possibly being the villain and Toru even accepted the fact that she was a bad guy so we have this discussion between them and we get to a point where Toru's words start to really have an effect on Akito and Akito starts to fear the idea of being alone and resented 
so she runs off because she knows at this point there's no returning the Zodiac to her. She's going to be alone and everyone's going to hate her. So she just bolts. So Toru, being the hero, chases after her and they end up where it all began. They're standing on the cliffside that collapsed in season one that caused Toru to live in the Soma household. So at this point, they're talking and Toru is saying things like, I realize I didn't give you time or I didn't give you a chance, so let's just start over. And she reaches out her hand and says, Hi, my name's Toru. What's your name? And she's holding it out, and just Akito starts to calm down and is about to accept Toru's hand. Like, maybe this is the friendship I needed. Like, I'm going to give this a chance because it worked for all the other Zodiac. So as she reaches out for Toru's hand, the cliffside crumbles once again. And Toru falls and hits the ground, and she is nearly lifeless. And at this point, Kyo and Yuki actually manage to turn around and head back. And they hear Akito screaming, like, someone help. She needs help. Toru fell. So they go and search, and they find Toru on the ground, surrounded by blood. And it's at this point when Kyo walks up, he sees basically the same scene he saw when Kyoko died and it was at this point he didn't want history to repeat itself again so he obviously at this point is when he kind of things kind of switch for him but they eventually get Toru to the hospital yeah and like you mentioned this season is all about closures the new beginnings and even some redemption and just this scene alone had like so much because like you mentioned this is back with pretty much all began how she got involved with all the somas and now it's also kind of the closure to her being involved with all the somas because both this clip happened to be the beginning and the end of the <laughs> almost the relationships between soma mm -hmm. the somas and toru but we now like She's starting to get involved with Akito, wanting to actually start to build a friendship now and this whole new beginning. And it just makes it everyone has their own new beginning now after even Akito they tried to give her. So Kyo has a chance for redemption and a new beginning after Toru fell and he saw basically what happened to Toru with her mother is happening to Toru and he's like this time I'm not gonna run away like I did before and even when she was younger and everything we learned that he's like promised to protect Toru and now he has a chance to save her life and begin anew and they finally I guess got mutual feelings does he actually like I forget, does he actually really, like, confess or more just says, like, I'll, I'm going to stay by your side now? Because I don't think they actually just... I think Toru says she's in love with him, but does he ever say it back or does he more just accepts it and is like, um, I promise to stay by you? I don't think he says it yet until the after the hospital scene, but he does kiss her, so he does admit it, but she's basically unconscious. So it wasn't really... Um, yeah, I guess that doesn't count. But he, yeah, he says, like, he's going to protect her and 
he'll be by her side. But I think he admits it when they're at the hospital, if I do so you, recall. Yeah, so this is Kyo's final redemption part. But then it also is to Akito's as well. Because when Toru starts to finally like accept Akito as well, Akito finally is starting to separate herself from being the god of the zodiacs so like that she's always been like proclaiming Mm -hmm. so now he's able to hold conversations with a few zodiac members without complete condescendence and she's starting to correct her ways she is finally beginning her redemption and while she's doing this we also see kyo closing the doors of his past he finally goes up to yuki and explains the whole like the whole reason why he was envious why he hated him and everything like leading up to him he villainized yuki because he didn't want to admit like who he was and all this stuff so he had to find a bad guy and that just happened to be yuki and he blamed yuki for everything even though it was out of power because that's how he was able to cope with it and we finally see them kind of Kind of close it up by calling each other still, like, you stupid cat, you Mm -hmm. dumb rat. Like, they finally accepted each other. They're obviously not going to be, like, best friends, at least not right now, but they finally accepted each other for who they are. Right. So it was kind of nice to see that kind of close. They did have one nice last fight, though. That was nice. But, yeah, the uh, the stupid cat, (laughs) stupid rat thing, that was a nice way to kind of put some closure on their relationship and like say like no hard feelings we're still we're still in this together and we finally have to be our own people and not resent who we aren't and then he finally goes to his father's house and is like hey i finally made up my mind i know i'm gonna live my own life now and he's not gonna be held back by the past he's going to take his own step forward so that's when we finally go back to the hospital where he begs toru for forgiveness and she kind of just smiles and is like i don't blame you for anything or whatever like i never did and they find i think that's when they finally mm-hmm. confess or whatever or official become official yeah. quote unquote <laughs> But as he, Kyo went to the hospital, we also see Akito goes back to Kyo's father's and is telling him Kyo has, is now his own person. He's moving on and he admits that he's no longer the monster that he always claimed him to be. And with that, I think that was almost like the final step for him was the fact that because Kyo was always something that Akito always was like, he's a monster, he's a monster. And the cat, the cat, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Like, the cat was always a stigma for the Zodiacs. And with him finally releasing Kyo almost, I feel like that was almost like the last step because then we see Akito back in the mansion staring out into the like his window or whatever. Like, she's always been. But then you just see everything just snap and like all the bonds now are now broken and she does 
Akito is the one that finally severs the bonds with all the remaining Zodiacs that haven't already. And she decides she's no longer going to be the god of the Zodiac. She's going to be Akito. She's not going to be this quote-unquote man of the house. She's actually going to be Akito herself and not... She's going to start her life mm-hmm. from this moment on. Yeah. it. Gosh, this whole ending conclusion, it's like Toru falling off the cliff was the end of a chapter, and then her hitting the ground was like a new chapter. It was... Everything just went uphill from here. One by one, everyone started to move on. And I just loved the scene where Akito was like saying goodbye to each Zodiac. And they were all breaking. So you were going from scene to scene, watching each one do their own thing. It was it was really nice. And then like Kyo and Toru hug. And then they realize like, holy shit, I'm not a cat. So it was a really, really good scene to see. And so eventually everyone starts to move on. Kyo and Toru decide that they're going to move away to allow Kyo to find himself and figure out who he wants to be because he's no longer constrained by the thoughts of being imprisoned. And Yuki and Machi stay together as Yuki goes off to college. So that was nice. Like You get to see that they're going to wait for each other because I think Machi was a year behind. And Akito and Shigure wound up together, even though I believe the, the matchup is it's fitting for them but it's a very toxic matchup. Shigure is the only one that really seems like he didn't change after the curse was broken. Everyone had their own new beginning. He remained the man that manipulates and deceives to get his way. He seems like, just overall, he's an emotionally abusive character. And I guess Akito was for years as well, so they kind of radiated towards each other. I don't know, it's just, it's a weird matchup. And Akito did have these moments of redemption. It doesn't change the fact that Akito was a terrible person. You almost don't want Akito to be happy, but it would seems mean to not allow it. But I don't know. Shigure just didn't change. It was a very weird, a weird thing. But uh, I loved that before Toru and Kyo moved away, I loved the zoo scene where they went and they get like Tori's like, oh look, it's, they have a little cat petting area, so they all go and they're petting cats. And it's such a simple scene because Kyo's sitting off to the side, just kind of watching them pet cats. And a cat walks up to him, kind of looks at him, and just turns around and walks away. It's so simple, but it made me sad because throughout the entire show, when Kyo's like walking through the city, this and that, you'll see cats walk up to his legs and rub against him, and he'll be petting cats all the time. But now the cats have zero interest in him, and it just shows that he is no longer bound by the cat spirit, and he won't be the cat ever again. So it's just that kind of, that last little icing on the cake that shows it's broken, it's over, Kyo is alone. But right after that, Toru comes up and sits by his side, showing him that even though he is no longer bound to the Zodiac, he doesn't have that connection with any of these people anymore he will still actually never truly be alone because he has a bomb that's stronger than the Zodiacs. I think that was a really nice scene. I do love that, like, it also showed a little bit of everyone else, like, getting together Mm -hmm. and all that stuff. It showed us Rin and Haru finally being together. And it showed us that even though, because before, I guess taking a little step back, before all this happened, Akito did try to apologize to the Zodiacs 
she came out dressed in like a kimono and everything like and put even makeup on to actually make her look like a girl like she is one when all this time she always dressed as a man and everything and all everyone was shocked to mm-hmm. see this and she like actually kneeled down bowed to them and that was how she got with Shigure was she had to do that to the other zodiacs so i do feel like although Shigure was very mani- manipulative and everything at the very end he i think he still had some feelings for the zodiac probably because of the time they spent and toro may have changed him a little bit because it did feel like that was kind of like shigure's i guess apology to the zodiacs for like using them for his own purpose he got akito to finally admit everything and ask for forgiveness obviously some of them were kind of like i don't care some of them forgave him and then Ren, for instance, still couldn't forgive her for everything I mean, she's done. Don't blame her. She was literally almost murdered. Twice. <laughs> Twice, yeah. And But it was just nice to see Haru and Ren to get together. and mm-hmm. That's like one of my favorite Hiro, couples. Oh, yeah. Hiro and Mini Toru got together. I, I keep forgetting her name. I can't remember her name either. Toru and Kyo got together. We saw Machi and Yuki get together. We assume Kirino and Uachan are getting together because they were having mm-hmm. a phone call and she was very happy. But my one of my favorites was Shisho and Hana. Yeah, so uh, weird, right? That came out of left field. Like, what the hell was that? How old oh, is this guy? I don't know, but like, they, honestly though, I feel like they mesh together so well. Yeah. And it was just funny because like, as like... Uh, they were at the zoo or whatever, or uh, they met up and then they were going back to the house to like clean. That's when you see them, mm-hmm. and but nothing is implied. Like obviously no. they were ever like together, but like in season two, Hana Chan does mention something about Shisho about like liking him or like something about him being like a good father figure, and Kyo's like absolutely not stay away from <laughs> yeah. him because he doesn't want her like mm-hmm. be like part of that family and then it's just i just love that that they were just seen walking out together and then you see one of the dojo people like oh, scared by yeah, the like, thing what like the fuck? what is going on and uh i like i'm glad with all the matchups like everyone end up being with someone mm-hmm. but that that one just kind of came out of nowhere yeah, and i'm just like oh uh, that that was a good one. I just I just had to mention that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then I think the last thing to mention about this season is they gave... Because I feel like a lot of shows end it without a full-on conclusion, but this one like told us, spelled it out, that Toru and Kyo spend their life together because the last scene is her grandchild ch- walking up asking where Toru and Kyo is, and uh, to- Toru's children are like, they're out walking like they're having their lovey-dovey time and the child is like oh they always have their lovey-dovey time and it shows (laughs) them in a field of flowers holding hands walking into the distance so it was a really nice way to say like they spent their time together and it's a happily ever after story yeah we kind of got that with everyone i guess everyone kind of had their own happy ish ending where whether Akito gets forgiven 
completely or not is completely on their own, but I I kind of figure Agito is more going to now be just away from them mm-hmm. and whatever. I still think she's a bitch. She's not a cold-hearted bitch, but I still think she's a bitch. Like, they tried to redeem her, and I, I get it. She did get some points, and I was like, okay, I can see that she was going to change. But this is part of the thing that I think was rushed, but also I'm kind of glad it didn't get dragged out, is the redemption happened literally within, like, half an episode. Yeah, it was very quick, and fast-paced redemption. So it was like, they set it up, she did it, and it makes sense, like, of how it happened, but it just was such a fast redemption that I'm just, like, I'm not completely on board of not hating Akito. I'm happy for her. I'm happy she did change a new leaf, and it does seem like she's going to stick with it, with Shigure being there and everything, but, it, yeah, she. I think she's still a bitch. Yeah. She... Yeah, she did have redemption in my eyes. I'm glad that she got to be with Shigure because that's all Shigure wanted. That's all she wanted. So I'm glad they got to be with the people they wanted to be with. I don't know if I can say it was a satisfying redemption, but I don't know if it was fully meant to be seeing the fact that some of the characters didn't forgive her. So it was supposed to be like, I'm atoning. And she even said, like, I can't ask you guys to forgive me. You have to do that on your own. So it, it wasn't meant to be a full redemption, but I'm, I'm glad it was where it was because I don't want everyone to accept her because she did horrific things. So I think it was satisfying in that sense. Yeah, because that's when she also admits she's going to be a proper head now. Mm-hmm. So maybe by the time, like in the last episode when Toru and Kyo were grandparents, maybe she finally did redeem herself. But like you said, I, I think it was meant to more be like, well, she turned over a new leaf. Obviously, you can still hate her, forgive her, whatever you want. But just know that everyone is kind of starting their own life mm-hmm. now. And I think that's kind of what they... That's more or less what they were going for. Exactly. And uh, unless you have anything to add, I think that kind of wraps up Fruits Basket, the season, the whole show, series. So I think we can end it with a quick fact. And that fact is a spinoff is set to be released in 2022 called The Story of Kyoko and Katsuya, which, of course, as the name suggests, will focus on Toru's parents. So I think that'll be a cute little side spinoff. I think so, too, because we didn't really learn much about Kyoko. No, Besides, we... like, at the very end, we learned a little bit about her interactions with Kyo and Yuki during those times, mm-hmm. like very brief. But other than that, and that she was a gangster from Uochan, we didn't really learn much about Kyoko. So mm-hmm. I'm, I think it would be a nice little cute spinoff. Yeah, and we know nothing about Katsuya, so that would be nice to learn. And uh, yeah, I think that is it. So since this is our first episode of the new season, we thought we would let you guys know that during the break, we set up a Patreon page for anyone that wishes to show us some love and support. So you can find us at patreon.com slash weebspawn. And of course, don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at weebspawn. And you can contact us at weebspawn at gmail.com. And that'll be all from us today. I've been your host, Bobby. And I'm Joshua. And we will see you guys next time when we weebspawn.